our scripture reading is out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 this morning. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we were clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead in our heavenly dwelling, so that that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we live by faith, not by sight. This is the word of the Lord for us. Well, good morning, MCA. What a joy to be together this morning. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord. For some, it's been a while since you've been here, and uh, just glad to be together. Uh, It's a beautiful thing to gather uh, with God's people. So as uh, Les said, one quick correction, Les, this is February, not March. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Lori already already said, what were you saying March for? You're just just a visionary. You're just thinking ahead. But uh, as Les shared... Uh, we just take a uh, month of February typically and do a seminar for growth, something different. So a uh, big thank you to John Mass. He does work really hard. You have an insert in your bulletin that kind of outlines what's going to be happening this month. So feel free to check that out. But we're excited uh, for this month and all we're going to learn, the ways we're going to grow, the way God is going to move among us. Um, we've got some amazing guest speakers coming up um, and all focused on this theme of God's faithfulness. And we're going to hear stories of God's faithfulness. And I would want to begin this morning and really this month and this series with a question. And the question is, what's your story of God's faithfulness? What's your testimony? What are the ways you've seen God at work? And would you share those stories? Share them around the lunch table today. Share them as part of the Sunday school hour. You know, if you're a, if you're a core group leader and you, don't, you, just, you can scrap the discussion guide that's created for today and just have a few people share their stories of God's faithfulness and do that throughout this whole month. Um, but what is your story? And are you sharing that story? What a beautiful thing. But uh, we're going to get into the Word of God today. I'm honored to, uh, to share again this morning. And as always, I'm praying that through our time together, your heart and home grow stronger in the Lord. So I want to encourage us with this idea today of walking by faith. Walking by faith. So uh, we heard it from the scripture reading that Renee did just a little bit ago in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 7. To live by faith. Some translations say walk by faith and not by sight. Of course, the greatest examples of this in the scriptures are found in what we just saw in the video a moment ago, uh, sort of the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. These men and women who walked by faith and not by sight. And so for this morning, I thought I would do things just a little bit differently. We're going to be having stories of faithfulness over the course of this month. And so what I want to do is share with us this morning Hebrews chapter 11. Now, it's a, it's a long chapter, 40 verses. I can't exactly 
uh, preach through the entire chapter. Uh, but what I thought we would do is I would share it with us by reading it in its entirety. So we're not going to have the words on the screen for this. So you have a couple of options. You can turn in your own Bible if you'd like to follow along in Hebrews chapter 11. Or you can simply listen uh, as I share it with us. But we are going to go to Hebrews chapter 11. And we're going to hear, boy, this is just story after story after story of God's faithfulness from the heroes of old. And so that's where we're going to begin. We're challenged with... Am I walking by faith? Let's hear stories of God's faithfulness and people who did walk by faith from Hebrews chapter 11, and I'm reading from the NIV. Now, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we don't see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of was not made out of what was visible By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commanded as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he's dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. But before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, listen to me, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir for the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in a promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundation, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man... And he, as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. See, all of these people were still living by faith when they died. They didn't receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they'd been thinking of the country they'd left, they would have had opportunity to return. But they were instead longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he's prepared a city for them. You see, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshiped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child. 
and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You see, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as if on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I don't have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Oh, and there were others. Others that were tortured refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. You see, these were all commended for their faith, and yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. What stories? What stories of God's faithfulness? These are amazing people. And again, I'm sorry, but this morning we just don't have time to go into every detail of every single one of them. But do these stories encourage you? Do they encourage you like they encourage me? And again, God wants to use your, just as these stories encourage us, God wants to use your story to encourage others. And so I just want to make a few observations this morning on Hebrews chapter 11, on on what we've just read together. A few observations about how do we walk by faith. The, The first observation, the thing that just jumps out as you read through this, is that God uses ordinary people who walk by faith. Any other ordinary people in the house today? We have a lot of extraordinary people that are not raising their hand right now. Okay. We have a lot of really amazing people. God uses ordinary people like you, Asa, and like me, just ordinary people. And and when you read the Bible, you just see people who have these really messy lives, people who all have issues. So even as we talk about the heroes of old, 
And the amazing things that God did in and through them, we know, man, these people were messed up and they had issues. So if we, if we consider the people who are mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, some of them. Noah was a drunk. Abraham was a liar. Sarah is the one who laughed at God's promise. She laughed in the face of God when he was giving her the promise of Isaac. Jacob tricked his brother. Moses killed a guy. David did the same and also committed adultery. Samson is listed in Hebrews chapter 11. You know anything about him? Impure. Jephthah. Maybe you don't know his story from the book of Judges. Jephthah spoke rashly, which ended up killing his one and only daughter. These people are far from perfect. And yet, look what God did through them. Let's look closely there at the end of verse 34, Hebrews chapter 11. It says, whose weakness was turned to strength. See, that's what God does in the lives of ordinary people who choose to walk by faith. It's our weakness becoming strong because in God's hands, that's how he works. Because in God's hands, the, the ordinary can do the extraordinary. So before you think, well, surely God's going to choose someone else. Well, surely God's not going to pick me. Think again. In, in fact, in her book, Significant, my wife, Rachel, shares stories of women who are in Jesus' bloodline. It's, it's amazing. The work she did and this women's Bible study she wrote is tremendous. She shares stories of six women who are in the bloodline of Christ. Two of them, by the way, appear here in Hebrews chapter 11. But she says in that book, their seemingly insignificant lives would be used by our amazing God to change the course of history. You see, six women with train-wrecked lives were instrumental in bringing about our most precious Messiah. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. So it is with these heroes listed in Hebrews chapter 11 that, yes, they are heroes in the faith, but they were flawed individuals. So I want you to know this morning that your own issues and shortcomings, your own seeming insignificance does not disqualify you from being used by God for amazing things, being used by God for his kingdom purposes. Now, in fact, what God does oftentimes is he takes those weaknesses and he turns them into part of our story and part of our testimony. And I would say the most shocking person in Hebrews 11, and there are several that I consider shocking, but the most shocking one is Rahab. She's, she, to me, stands out as I'm reading through Hebrews chapter 11, the great hall of faith, and you go, this was a prostitute. And, and not only that, she's not even a Hebrew. Like, she's not even one of God's people. She's a foreigner. She is a citizen of Jericho, which were the enemies of God's people. They, they were to be uh, wiped out before them, right? Drive them out before you, the Lord tells Joshua when he sends them into the land. And so even the city where she lived in Jericho, I mean, it was to be completely destroyed. 
It was to be completely flattened, wiped out, and everyone annihilated. Not to mention the fact that we don't see very many women listed in Hebrews chapter 11, right? I mean, she's the only other one besides Sarah to be listed here. So she seems like one of the most unlikely candidates for Hebrews chapter 11, and yet here she is. How many people today do you know with the name Rahab? I don't know of any. Versus Sarah, who's also listed here, and Sarah is one of the most common female names of all time, has been for millennia. Rahab was used by God. She's listed in Hebrews chapter 11 in the great hall of faith. She's a hero of the faith. Despite her past, despite her position, we know her story that she acted on behalf of God's people, that she protected them. She, she acted based on truth. And now she's listed alongside Abraham and Moses. So if you don't believe me that God uses ordinary people or that God uses flawed people, look at this story. She's no Abraham. She's no Moses. Rahab was used by God for mighty, mighty purposes. Listen, great or small, no matter what our past, no matter what our gender, no matter what our ethnicity, no matter what our level of education, it doesn't matter. Here's the determining factor, faith. To be a person of faith who deeply trusts in the one true God. Who's willing to walk in obedience to him. Anyone can be a hero in the faith. It's just that we sometimes succumb to the world's thinking and they have different criteria for what a hero is. The the world has a very different view of who a hero might be. You know, even if you're not thinking the superhero, you know, wear the underpants on the outside of the clothing kind of person... We would define, like, who is that person who's like, oh, wow, what a hero. What, what a success. It's someone who is well-respected. Rahab didn't have respect. Some of us don't get much respect. The world says it's someone who, who is successful. Like, those people who are just clear winners, who, who succeed, who elevate, who do all things well. Those leaders... Those innovators, that's who the world says are the ones who are heroes, the ones who have won championships. It makes me think of the time that two jockeys were vying for first place. This was in a horse racing event that was a steeplechase, so it's got the jumps and the the pits. And uh, these two horses were out ahead of the rest of the pack by a large margin. They're neck and neck, and at the last fence... They both take a tumble and both riders fall off. But one of them remounted quickly and he rode on to win the race. He was really the favorite to win the race. This was a jockey who had veteran status and this was a chance to prove he is one of the best. Quickly gets on the horse, wins the race. So when he gets back to the stable, he's shocked to find the owner who is fuming with rage. He says, what's the matter? I won the race, didn't I? Oh yeah, says the owner. You won all right on the wrong horse. His success 
was actually a failure. And sometimes I just wonder how many people are going to come to the end of their lives thinking they've succeeded, only to find out that they've failed. Oh, you were an upstanding citizen. Oh, you worked really hard to acquire status or wealth. You were viewed as sensible. You were seen as pious. But did you walk by faith? Did you just trust God at every step, even when you couldn't see it? Yes, God uses ordinary people. Scripture tells, even if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, faith the size of a mustard seed, he's going to use you to move mountains and do extraordinary things. So God uses ordinary people. Second thing I notice from Hebrews chapter 11 as we read through it is, Faith helps us persevere through life's most difficult times. Walking by faith, my friends, it means you persevere. You don't stop. You don't quit. Even when things get dark. Even when things get difficult. All of these people, by the way, in Hebrews 11 faced really difficult, even impossible odds. And yet somehow they prevailed. If you know Gideon's story, he's mentioned there. He was surrounded by the Midianites. They were tormenting God's people, but God gave him the courage to take on their entire army with only 300 men. They faced impossible odds, and yet they persevered because that's what walking by faith does. Or Barak's story. Uh, He's surrounded by Sisera's army. Sisera's army was the most powerful army in the whole world. They, They had the latest in military technology, iron chariots. Like, these were the latest and greatest, best thing. Imagine doing warfare against iron chariots, which they would equip with blades and stuff, and you're just foot soldiers. Like, so they they would dominate, they would annihilate their enemies. Sisera's army, they were a formidable foe. But, But Deborah is part of that story. And at Deborah's urging, Barak gathered together a volunteer army and goes after Sisera and his mighty army. He had 900 iron chariots and so god helps by sending a flood (laughs) and although iron chariots were just unstoppable and unbeatable in battle there was one thing that could stop them that's mud (laughs) they just sank in the mud and got bogged down and the israelites ended up having complete victory not one enemy was left to ever bother them again David is listed here. Of course, we know his story of facing Goliath with a sling and a stone. We know Daniel's story as well. The the, uh, passage in Hebrews 11 refers to shutting the mouths of lions where he uh, was thrown into the lion's den or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who were thrown into the fiery furnace. And if we look again there at verse 35, we're in Hebrews chapter 11. It says there were others. This is not an exhaustive list of God's hall of faith, but there were others and they were tortured, but they refused to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. No, I'm not going to recant. No, I'm not going to deny Christ. Come what may. Even in our own Anabaptist history, we know story after story after story of martyrdom and persecution because we're following Christ and we're doing what's right. So it says uh, that some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. 
There are lots more in the hall of faith than are even listed in Hebrews chapter 11. How did they make it through? How did they persevere? How how did they manage to keep their witness and their testimony despite these difficult odds? Very simply, by faith. See, they trusted in God. They, They knew that it doesn't matter what humans can try to do to me. It doesn't matter what obstacles come my way. It doesn't matter even if I'm persecuted to the point of death. I believe in God and I trust in his might, not in my own. So even when the odds are stacked against you, you just keep going. For a Cleveland Cavaliers fan, that happened in a very dramatic way back in 2016. You might remember that the Cavs were down three games to one to the very antagonistic Warriors. You see Draymond flexing on LeBron there. He did, he did that all throughout that series, especially the first games. So the Cavs are down 3-1. This is the, the finals in the NBA championships. But we know the Cavs just somehow managed to claw their way back in and just won game after game after game to become NBA champs. LeBron averaged almost 30 points a game. He, of course, was named MVP of the finals. And after the Cavaliers' final game in which they they clinched the uh, championship, head coach Tyron Lue made a statement about LeBron James in which he said, great things happen to great people. Now, I do think that's probably true in sports, but I think the good news according to the gospel is quite different from that. That it's not so much great things happen to great people, but it's more along the lines of great things happen to bad people. Great things happen to unworthy people. Great things happen to little people and insecure people and poor people and unrighteous people when they walk by faith. When they put their trust in the Lord. And so the Bible says very clearly in Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. You see, it's a gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. And so when God uses us in ways that we persevere, we beat the odds, we press on, it's not because of our own ingenuity or strength. It's not based on our human effort. It's, on, it's based on divine effort. It's based on what God has done. You succeed by simply trusting in God. When you put your trust, your ultimate trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the saving work that he accomplished when he shed his blood on the cross, when you recognize your own flawed, sinful nature and your need of his forgiveness, and you see what God has accomplished through the life, through the death, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, See, that's when you put your faith in him that God saves you. We talked about it last week when you're, you're born again, you're, you're made new, you're transformed. And then by his Holy Spirit that then indwells you, you persevere. It doesn't matter what obstacles you face. It doesn't matter what comes your way. You press on because of the spirit of God that is within you. And he has overcome the world. In fact, if you want to pray today, our prayer team is going to be available after the service. Come and pray. What are the things that, are, that you're facing right now that you're challenged with? Or are you ready to make that decision to say, I want to trust in Jesus 
I want to trust in his shed blood. You'll persevere because of the Spirit of God within you. You'll persevere no matter what comes your way. You will press on because you're living by faith, just as these people did in Hebrews chapter 11. Okay, one final observation I want to make. We've talked about God using ordinary people. We've talked about walking by faith means you persevere through life's most difficult times. When you walk by faith, you can see things that are yet to come. This is a theme all throughout this entire chapter is the visible and the invisible. What they saw versus what they didn't see. You can see the things that are yet to come when you walk by faith. Now, in the scriptures, really from Genesis to Revelation, God is telling a story. And it's a story of redemption. A true story, I should say. God is is revealing this true story of redemption to all of creation. And it's all pointing toward the one true real hero, Jesus. Jesus and his ultimate triumph. So that one day, one great and glorious day, we will all live, meaning those who have faith, even the faith the size of a mustard seed, we will all live in harmony with Christ, our hero. So really, these stories in Hebrews chapter 11 are kind of an incomplete picture of redemption. That, that the final chapter was yet to be written. You'll notice, by the way, that the, this hall of faith is only the Old Testament characters, right? Because it was written at a time before the New Testament. So it's the, the Hebrews 11 is only Old Testament characters. But if we look again at verse 13, it, it, it kind of speaks into this. It says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them. So you go, how did they see them if they didn't receive them? They didn't receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. Yeah, when you walk by faith, you can see the things that are yet to come. Like you and I live life in this way that we might experience suffering here and now. Or, or following Jesus, it isn't going to be the popular thing or the cool thing to do. And there are times where it requires great sacrifice. And yet, we know that ultimately, we'll be rewarded. And maybe that's not going to come this side of eternity. But when you walk by faith, you live with eternity in mind. So, listen, if you're in a season right now filled with suffering, if you're in a season right now that's dark, that's challenging, that's difficult... Let me encourage you, do what these great women and men of faith did. Trust the Lord, and you will endure. Don't give up. Continue to rely on the Holy Spirit that indwells you. In fact, there are times, friends, where it's best for us not even to say, Lord, take this away from me, but to just say, Lord, help me endure. In fact, I think that honors God at times where we say, we're not praying, Lord, I don't want this trial, take this trial away from me, but Lord, would you walk with me through this? Would you help me? I need you, oh God. So you you persevere. You also, I think, you ask God to help you see 
the things that are yet to come. You ask God for that light at the end of the tunnel, and you ask God to help give you a glimpse into eternity that our lives would be lived with heaven in mind. And then you remain faithful to Christ, knowing that the payoff is coming. The payoff is coming. The reward is sure, but it might not come this side of eternity. You see, the life with Jesus starts now, and it lasts forever. What a gift. Nothing in this world is secure. It's all temporary. It's all just us on a journey. We're on a journey home. Hebrews 11 uses that kind of language about these saints of old. And the same is true of you and I, that we are foreigners here. This is not home. We're on a journey home. And that perspective helps us. It motivates us and inspires us. It it really spurs us on to live a life of love and generosity in the world. Like, while we're here, I'm going to be used by God. While we're here, I'm going to use every ounce of energy. I'm going to use every resource at my disposal to bring others into the kingdom. That they, too, might have that perspective. Walk by faith and see the things that are yet to come. You see, what Hebrews 11.6 tells us very clearly is that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And some of us need to hear that this morning. Because we've tried to earn our salvation and we've tried to earn our spot in God's kingdom by doing things. And by, I'm going to impress God. But we only please God through faith. It's it's when we come to him in sort of childlike, innocent faith. God, I trust you. I I can't handle this. This is all way bigger than myself. But God, I trust you. It says there in verse 6, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So God, I can't see it now. Just like the people in Hebrews 11, it says they all died and didn't get the the promised uh, reward. We say, God, I don't see it, but I know it's coming someday. So it's with that kind of faith that we please God. It's with that kind of faith that we bring a smile to the face of God. I'm also struck with Hebrews chapter 11 and the the variety of stories that we have there. Like each person had their own unique story. Each person had their own unique journey and circumstances. They all kind of did things differently. They kind of all had their own Uh, you know, unique life based on what God was calling them to do. The common thread is that it was all done by faith. But to me, that's really hopeful and encouraging as I consider us. That we don't have to live in uniformity. Like your story is not my story and that's okay. Or you don't have to just try to imitate someone else's journey. Like that God has your assignment for you. And if you don't know what that is, boy, you better start listening for the voice of God. You better start praying that prayer of, God, what is my purpose? Why did you put me here on earth in 2022? You better start praying that prayer if you don't know what your purpose is. Why am I here, oh God? And what do you want of me? And God, it's too big for me. So God, I trust you and I will walk by faith to accomplish 
what you have for my life. An ordinary person that can be used by an extraordinary God. Will you walk by faith? Will you listen intently? You know, for some of you, that's probably the biggest takeaway from this morning's sermon. Listen intently for the voice of God. What is he calling you to do? And will I walk in obedience to it? Will you share your story as an encouragement to others? Again, God uses ordinary people. And he's looking for people, people like you and me, who will walk by faith, not by sight. People that will then persevere as we eagerly look forward to all the things that are yet to come. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your faithfulness. And we are so grateful as we get into the word of God that we see the ultimate hero in our Lord Jesus Christ who faced down the enemy, who conquered sin and death, who was raised to life by the power of God on the third day and who lives forevermore. And that those of us who put our trust in him and walk by faith are called your sons and daughters. So, Lord, would you give us eyes to see the things that are yet to come? Would you give us ears to hear what you are calling us to do? And then spirits willing to radically and sacrificially live that out by faith for your glory alone. We thank you, Lord, that you can accomplish this and that you will according to your might, by your power, and only for your name's sake. We thank you and we bless you, O oh God, in the precious name of Jesus Christ.